on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Joined now here on the flagship podcast by the one and only Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, who has been going about 100 miles an hour. I mean, it's not just what's going on with the Big 12. It's what's going on with all of college football as a member of the uh, four-person working group that came up with the proposal for a 12-team college football playoff. Of course, we got some name, image, and likeness about to come on board in the state of Texas in about a week. Um, Commissioner, how are you holding up these days? Well, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, it's uh, there. There are some things that uh, I'm spending time on that uh, are not uh, particularly enjoyable. But uh, the college football playoff is one thing that is uh, has been a, a, a long and and uh, arduous process, but I think is is coming to a, uh, a productive close. I, I think uh, it's going to be good for uh, the uh, college football enterprise. I, I think the, the opportunity for participation is going to be excellent. And so, you know, that part of it is, uh, has been a, uh, a labor of love. And, and uh, they, so, I, you know, I think uh, in the midst of uh, being, finding ourselves in court and, and finding ourselves with a need to, uh, make uh, modifications to our rules and and all of the many things that are going on. There, there's also some things that uh, you can look at and say, "Gee, we're we're actually making some progress." Well, I call you the voice of reason in college athletics because you're very measured. You look at everything. You make solid, uh, you know, decisions. And I think you also, I mean, through the whole COVID nineteen pandemic, I, I thought you did a brilliant job. And then you turn around and here comes the college football playoff expansion. A lot of folks thought it would be eight. Um, the proposal would be to go to eight teams for a college football playoff. Why did, why did the proposal come out with 12? Well, it, I think that's probably the, the, the seminal question that has been asked of us. And um the when you when you began to overlay um, a um, a need or a, a belief that uh, more teams needed to participate and that um, that four I think we all acknowledge is clearly superior to uh, all of the predecessors uh, the alliance and the BCS and all of the others. I, I think the, the human selection process is clearly superior to the computers or the blended polls and those kinds of things. Those, those are all um, things that we looked uh, deeply at and, and just determined that, that we had really done some things right on it. On the other hand, when you look at eight, and if you believe that, that there's an opportunity to, uh, or, or perhaps a necessity 
to provide more participation opportunities. Um, all of a sudden you get to the point where you say, well, are we gonna have six automatic qualifiers and two at larges? Um, that just didn't seem like it was enough. Um, you could certainly look at it and say, well, the A5 has brought most of the value to the college football playoff. Uh, let's go with the five A5s and, and three at-larges or maybe five and the highest ranked uh, group of five. Um, it, it didn't seem right that we would have automatic qualifications. This, this needs to be an eat what you kill environment and it needs to be based on strength of schedule and the like. And so um, we, we pretty well got ourselves to the point where we, we wanted to value conference championships and, and that's evident in the model. Uh, but we also wanted to make sure that those who had earned it had a crack at getting into the playoff. And so um, eight just didn't seem like enough and 16 seemed like too many. And the, the more we began to delve into it, the more viable it became. And the more we liked uh, the, the structure and, and how it could be set up. You know, the, the, the real magic in, in 12 is that, you know, for the four highest ranked conference champions, uh, if they play all the way to the national championship game, they're only going to play one more game than they would have played otherwise. Um, you, the only way that you get some of the big numbers that uh, have been uh, noted is if you're a low seed and you've lost in your conference championship game and you play all the way to the championship game. Uh, that, that is fairly unlikely to happen, but, uh, you know, it, it will happen some year. So um, 12 just seemed like uh, the right balance of access and and valuing of conference championships and uh, and uh, looking at ways particularly to enhance the regular season. Uh, I, I think, you know, with uh, six weeks to go in the season, there'll be 35 or 40 teams that have a legitimate claim to uh, be, in, be in the playoff. And with three weeks to play, they'll probably be 20 or 25. And, and so uh, that's good for in-stadium attendance. That's good for for fans, it's good for TV. It's it's uh, it's going to bring a lot of interest to the to the second half of the regular season, and I think all of those were were best accomplished with a twelve team model. I thought if we ever got to double digit teams in a playoff, we would see some part of the regular season go away, or maybe the conference championship games go away because there is a potential for student athletes to play 17 football games under the, the 12 team model. Does that need to happen commissioner? Do we need to do away with one of the non-conference games? Do we need to shorten, shorten up somewhere? Well, you know, there's always a lot of talk about that. And as, as you know, Chip, I was uh, chair of uh, football oversight for a number of years. And, and we, uh, we talked about the regular season. We talked about whether or not we wanted to build two buys into the season. And in order to do that for everybody, you would have to start the season a week earlier. And we, we kind of revisited that conversation in conjunction with the playoff. And, you know, the challenge with the, uh, the move in the season a week earlier is uh, you, you start uh, with preseason camp, the, you know, some, some schools would be the 20th of July. And, and that seemed pretty early and, and it shortens the summer significantly. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, there, there can be a conversation about whether 
12 games is the right number of games. Uh, I, I think uh, programs like ours in the Big 12 have gotten highly reliant on, on being able to play seven home games, sometimes eight home games, and that revenue is vital to their their financial stability. So, you know, I, I think uh, while it's a good academic discussion to have, uh, being able to walk away from a full game revenue is is uh, easier said than done. Uh, but I think over time we'll look at it. Uh, but I, I think, you know, that's one of the beauties of this. Um, I don't believe that the 12 team model weakens the, the regular season. I think on the contrary, it greatly strengthens the regular season and, and, and keeps a lot of people close to the flame. Now it's a fair question to ask, what does it do to the postseason? Does it, does it hurt some of the, the traditional bowl games that have been around? Well, you know, right now we don't know what game, what bowls will be in, involved in the, in the playoff. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking with lots of them over the next three or four months to determine the feasibility of it. But um, the, the, the fact is there's, there are a lot of bowl games and uh, it's a good thing for, uh, for players and coaches and institutions to play in the postseason. But, you know, there, there also are a lot of the bowl games that are um, not strong financially and uh, are, are not, uh, um, you know, greatly anticipated. They don't have long traditions and, and the like. And so it's, uh, it's not clear exactly what will happen with, uh, with some of the, the bowl architecture. But uh, we, we certainly have made the decisions with, uh, with those thoughts in mind. And uh, there, there's some of it that's just going to have to play itself out. Um, the top four conference, uh, the top four seeds are the highest rated conference champions. Does that eliminate Notre Dame from ever being a top four seed? Jack Swarbrick was in your working group. Um, how did those conversations go? Jack Swarbrick, of course, the athletic director at Notre Dame. Yeah, well, Jack, um, was, was very, um, I think all of us worked hard to put our conference hats at the door. And, and in Jack's case, the, uh, you know, he has a, a, a unique relationship with the ACC and particularly unique last year since they played a, a conference season. But they, they value their independence. And, and he went into it with his eyes wide open. We, we all said we, we think it's a big deal to have played through the season to have played a, a lot of games against uh, the best competition in your league and to have come out as the champion. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, uh, in, in all of our cases, we're going to have a conference championship game at the end of the year. That's going to say, okay, this is who the trophy is going to go to. And, uh, and all of that is good. That is, that is difficult to do. And Notre Dame isn't going to do that. They they have chosen to not participate as a conference member. And, um, uh, you know, Jack, to his credit, uh, has taken some heat over it. And uh, and yet he said, hey, listen, we, we're not playing a conference championship. We're not playing a conference schedule. And we're doing that of our own volition. And that's just one of the things that goes along with it. Now, there, there were some comments from him just yesterday where he was saying, yes, but remember, uh, we've had uh, our, our challenges getting into the playoff, uh, having to be almost undefeated uh, as a practical matter to get into it. And now with 12 slots and six at-large slots, uh, if Notre Dame's ranked anywhere in the top 
10, 11, 12, they're very likely to be in the playoffs. So in terms of, of uh, annual access, I, I think it's a, it's a better situation for Notre Dame. Uh, are they going to get the benefit of that buy in the first round? No, they're not because they're not going through the same uh, ordeal during the season that, that the, those that have won conference championships have. So, you know, there's a, there's a trade-off there, but I, I think in terms of frequency of access, uh, this is a, this is a good thing for Notre Dame. We will uh, take a quick break here in the flagship podcast with Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. We'll come back and ask him about how quickly he thinks this uh, college expanded college football playoff uh, will happen. Uh, we'll do that next right here on the flagship podcast. Commissioner 23 appears to be the earliest we could could see the 12 team expanded college football playoff. Is that your anticipation that we see it in 23? How, how, uh, how agreeable do you think, um, or take us through all the steps that it'll take to, to make this happen? Well, uh, to be clear, um, I don't think anybody forecast uh, 23. I, I think uh, some of your colleagues in the fourth estate uh, took a comment from Bill Hancock in which he said, well, it's not likely to happen in the, the next year or two. And so that from that, they extrapolated 23. They started and, rubbing their hands together. I'm not, yeah, you know how those things happen. But uh, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, anybody necessarily forecast that it was going to happen in 23. We're going to take the next four months and uh, maybe it's five months, maybe it's six months, but we have uh, we have uh, CFP board meetings in September and again in January. And uh, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in this. We, we manage the CFP essentially by unanimous consent. So if there's, if there's one of the signatories or a, a couple of the signatories, the 10 conferences in Notre Dame to, the, to this, uh, this deal, um, it could it could get sideways. Uh, now we haven't run into any any of those things just yet, but uh, as has been said, the devil is in the details. And so the next six months or or thereabouts is going to be an exploration process. We have to go back and talk to our TV partners at ESPN, and we are having those conversations in a rapidly changing. Uh, media environment. Uh, the, the migration to, to digital carriage is, uh, is much more rapid than it was forecast to be. Uh, the cable universe is shrinking rapidly, more rapidly than it was forecast to, to shrink. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to talk with them and we're going to have to uh, um, uh, ascertain what their bandwidth is because we're, we're talking about going from three games to 11 games. And, uh, and it's, it's not a small change. Uh, and it's especially complicated to do it around an expanding NFL schedule uh, because we're, you know, we're not going to put games in direct conflict with the AFC and NFC championship games and the like, as an example. So there's a, there's a lot of media stuff to go through. We also have partnerships with our New Year's Six Bowls, and, and we have to go back to them. They, they uh, uh, in the case of the Big 12 and the SEC, uh, we have a contract with the, with the Sugar Bowl where we're signatories to the, to the television contract, and it's a, it's a very large contract. It's, it's uh, 
tens of billions of dollars. And similarly, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have contract with the Rose Bowl for the same same thing. Um, we we have structured this so that we have um, some of our traditional bowl partners. Uh, New Year's Day and and with quarterfinal games and so um, we we've tried to respect the the bowl environment um, but we've also struck a, a balance with some games on campus and so you know it, it's it's got a lot of moving parts Chip and and uh, it's we we don't want to try and shove a, a ten pound ham down a down a funnel uh, we we want to include our partners we want to. Uh, value their contribution and their traditions, but we also have a, a desire to to get this done and to to make it work. And so, aspirationally, um, our board is going to they're going to have another crack at it in terms of approving it. And if we come back and say, "Well, here's the deal," and uh, there are elements of it that people don't like, then you know we we may or may not get there. I, I think what has come out of our meetings is that. We think the 12-team model is a good model. Uh, we may be able to do it preemptively, and, and we don't know yet about the feasibility of all of those aspects. And uh, we'll go through the process, and if it turns out that um, it's, it's not uh, doable in the near term, um, 23, 24, whenever before the end of the contract, then I think what you'll see is we'll, uh, we'll probably stay relatively committed to the 12-team uh, model, but we won't implement it until the end of the end of the contract. And so, you know, we just don't know on those things yet. When you look at the financial impact of the expanded playoff, have you do you have an idea of what it would mean um, specifically to the Big 12 in terms of per school payout increase? Uh, well, uh, obviously, we've we've done some work around that. Um, there's a couple of components to it. Uh, one, uh, these things are only worth what somebody will pay you for it. And in a changing media environment, um, you, you know, who knows what that will be. We'll, we'll have to see and we'll have to go through negotiations. And, and yes, I've done some forecasting around a number of different scenarios. And, um, uh, and no, I'm not prepared to share those with, uh, <sighs> with the public right now. <laughs> That's not going to surprise you very much. Well, I you know, had to try. Um, <laughs> commissioner, talking to Commissioner, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, and the, you know, obviously name image likeness is set to go uh, in the state of Texas, where uh, the law goes into effect July 1st. The NCAA still, uh, as of this moment, we don't have clear guidelines from the NCAA about what uh, their member schools should be thinking about in terms of NIL as these laws start to go into effect. What is this? Do you feel like this is the wild west? I mean, kids are talking about starting GoFundMe's, OnlyFans, uh, Twitch accounts. I mean, what, you know, what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, can you regulate this commissioner? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, when you think about regulation, um, we have lots of them. And some institutions adhere to them carefully. Uh, some institutions conspire to circumvent the rules. And, and others, the vast majority, do the right things at the right time. And they, they know what this is about. This is about drawing a bright line 
between the student athlete's life as a student athlete, uh, their education, uh, room board books, tuition and fees and full cost of attendance. And, you know, that's the environment in which you work. And if, you know, if you want to be a professional athlete, there's a place you can go and be a professional athlete, but it's, it's not, it's not college. Um, on the other hand, uh, there's an acknowledgement in, in the, the changes in the NIL rules that um, student athletes have uh, some inalienable rights to their own uh, name, image, and likeness. And, you know, if they want to uh, promote their, the fact that they're giving tennis lessons uh, and, and getting paid for it, uh, they ought to be able to do that. They ought to be able to go out and make speeches for compensation. They ought to be able to make appearances. They ought to be able to run summer camps. Uh, an offensive lineman ought to be able to um, sell a, a package online that uh, tells high school aspiring offensive linemen what to eat and, and how to train and those kinds of things. There's, there's lots of stuff that is appropriate that, that they ought to be able to do. Um, the, where it gets dicey is in the social media environment and, uh, and making sure that there is a, a appropriate uh, payment for appropriate involvement and, um, and you know, that the institution is not involved in, in making those arrangements. And um, those that do it right will, will not be involved in those things. Uh, they won't be brokering deals for kids, but they'll be helping them to learn about financial sustainability and, and uh, 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 proper business management and how you file your taxes and what kinds of things you can do and you can't do. I mean, there's a lot of educational things that the schools can do or, or a third party can do on behalf of the schools. Um, one of the things that student athletes are going to be able to do is they're going to be able to have representation. They'll be able to have an agent working with them that's out working every day to, to help them promote. But, you know, the thing that has to be remembered is there, there's going to be a very few student athletes that make a lot of money. There's going to be quite a few that make a little bit of money. And then there's going to be some that just aren't willing to work hard enough at it uh, to, to make any money or don't perhaps have the profile uh, to, to make any money. So, you know, we, uh, we thought it was going to be the end of the world when we had fueling stations because we, we couldn't decide whether you could have cream cheese on your bagel or not. And we thought it was the end of the world when we went to full cost of attendance because there would, there would be differences between schools. And, and indeed there are. In, in our league, we have uh, costs of attendance between $3,200 and $6,500. And you never hear it come up on the recruiting trail. So, you know, the, the, the uh, reports of this being the end of the world are, are not accurate. I mean, we'll, the, the enterprise has proven to be very uh, flexible. And, and, uh, and, you know, the fact is there will be people that, that use this to cheat. There'll be, there'll be inducements that are um, they're illegal now, impermissible now, and they'll be impermissible in the new day. But that doesn't mean there won't be institutions that do it. And so, you know, it, it's uh, uh, you're, you're not going to eradicate bad actors. That's that's for sure. But the time has come when some things that have been previously impermissible are now going to be permitted. And, um, you know, it, it sort of makes compliance officers heads explode. But there are some things we're just going to have to let go of. And there, you know, you may have a kid driving a new car around campus 
because they've developed a relationship with a car dealer where they're a spokesperson or they're going to do uh, autograph sessions every once in a while or they're, you know, there it could be a lot of things in the relationship. But this is intended to have disclosure. Um, the institution, uh, the student athlete has to file paperwork with the institution to let them know what they're doing. It's not an approval process, but it's, a, it, it's an acknowledgement that they have a deal who's in on the deal, who's representing them, how much are they getting paid, how long does it last? Those kinds of things need to be on file with the institution. And so, you know, we're, we're gonna have to, this, this is gonna be an evolving environment uh, for several years to come. And, um, and I, it, it will just become a part of, of uh, the way college athletics operates. But it's important that we, that we separate the that which is institutional intellectual property and uh, and what is student athlete intellectual property and you know those things are you know we're going to have to find our way on that a little bit. Yeah, like a GoFundMe. I mean, should a kid be able to open a GoFundMe and say, "Hey, fans, if you like me, pour money well, into my they, GoFundMe." Yeah, they actually can't do that under under the NCAA plan. But um, you, they could do a GoFundMe for uh, um, a disaster in, in the area uh, or for a charity or for a, a, uh, an elementary school that's trying to raise money or those kinds of things. I, you know, I, I don't think we're going to um, be willing to live with uh, I'm going to do a GoFundMe page for my little sister's rehab or, uh, you know, because my my dad just got laid off. I, you know, I, I don't know that those kinds of things are are envisioned as being permissible, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that are, that weren't permissible before. Is this in some ways a blessing commissioner, because you've got a, a model right now, that's an amateur model. Uh, athletic departments are tax exempt. Student athletes are not going to be seen as employees with name, image, likeness yet they are going to be able to reap some benefit for their, their level of curating in, in their sports world with their fans. Does that kind of alleviate some of the pressure that has come with escalating coaching salaries yet not, you know, no compensation other than the scholarship for the student athlete? Yeah, well, you know, the, um, coaching compensation, commissioner compensation. Uh, there, there's TV there's revenue for the people individuals that are, that are making a lot of money in this space, and uh, you know, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it's really fair to compare a coach who spent his entire career working to get to where they are uh, compared to a you know an 18 to 22 year old. They, I mean, they, they. Uh, I think that's what college athletics is about. I think it's. It's uh, us helping 18-year-old adolescents become 22-year-old adults, and in the process, have a good athletic experience and get a good education. I think I think that's fundamentally what it's about. Um, it, it's been made out to be something other than that, but in the main, for the vast majority of student athletes, that's what it is. It's it's about a a four-year or five-year period where you can get a great experience. And, and now you're going to have a chance to, to make a little money, but that, you know, th this is not intended to be a profession. It's not intended to be 
uh, uh, an employee-employer relationship. Um, it's easy to make that comparison. Uh, well, the coach is making lots of money and the, the poor student athletes not getting anything. Well, you know, a, 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 a full scholarship with all the benefits at the University of Texas is higher than the median income in the state of Texas. And so, you know, it, it's uh, to say that student athletes don't have a pretty good lot in life. Uh, most students on campus would trade places with them in a heartbeat. And so, you know, I, I think this is just another step towards permissibility. And, uh, and you know, it, it's intended to be not a gift. I mean, there, there are there are those who are being told, oh, well, you've got 40,000 followers on Instagram. It's worth X number of dollars. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you're you're going to have to be willing to produce content and to do it all the time so that people can can get their their appetite uh, satisfied uh, for the content. And it, it's a lot of work. I, I have a daughter-in-law that's a, a fashion influencer on um, in, in a variety of different modalities and, and she works uh, 80 hours a week on it. And so it, it's not uh, just uh, just saying, well, I got some followers, I'm gonna I'm gonna really make a lot of money. It doesn't doesn't exactly work that way. Is there anything else, Commissioner, that you think is important for people to understand with regard to either NIL or the the 12 team expanded college football playoff proposal? Well, the, I, relative to the to the latter, um, the, the the playoff, I think we have a good plan. Now we have to go about the process of of ascertaining how we can execute it, and that's going to take a little time. Um, relative to NIL, I, I've been involved in it up to my up to my ears, and um, I, I have gone through a transition. It, it uh, I began to say uh, at the beginning. Uh, well, okay, we're going to move incrementally for, from where we are now, and and we'll you know we'll only go so far as as uh, we we start getting uncomfortable. I, I I quickly got to the point when we were diving into all this stuff that that I I really am of the belief that the time has come for this to be um, liberalized and and that uh, we need to acknowledge that student athletes have a life outside of of their athletics. Uh, you know, they're not completely divorced from one another. And, and uh, as they use their name, image, and likeness, their prominence as an athlete is certainly going to come into play. But um, some of the things that are, that were previously impermissible are now going to be permissible. And you're, it's going to drive some people crazy to say, Oh, well, I gotta, I gotta know what they're doing and I gotta know how much they're getting. And, and uh, there must be something going on because he's driving a nicer car than he, he should be. And, you know, the, the, it's, those are things are going to be uh, divulged to the institution. And there are steps to be taken if, if student athletes are not uh, doing it properly. And uh, so, you know, we're, it, it, this is going to be a long evolutionary process, but I think the time has come that this is an appropriate step forward. And we're all just going to have to take a deep breath and, and uh, um, you know, look at, we, right now we have lots of different state laws. They aren't all the same. Um, I expect we'll have a, a, a an NCA policy by July 1st, uh, but you know there are going to be no lives lost on July 1st. We'll, it's going to be a long evolutionary process, and um, and there'll be modifications along the way. 
There he is, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bullsby, the voice of reason in college athletics. Um, Commissioner, really appreciate the time today. Uh, my goodness, from COVID-19 to the expanded college football playoff proposal to name, image, and likeness, uh, no shortage of to-dos on your to-do list. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been bored, Chip. <laughs> yeah, you need you need to be able to just lay on the couch and uh, and and just watch your favorite movies um, uh, or your yeah, favorite well, TV marathon. Maybe one of these days. Man, it's uh, it's good stuff. Thanks so much uh, to Big Twelve Commissioner Bob Bulls before the commissioner. I am Chip Brown. Thanks everybody for listening to the flagship podcast. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.